welcome to the Indie Interview, Happy's podcast series on the startups that are shaking up the beauty category. I'm Tom Brana, editor of Happy. Today we're with Dana Kreutzer, a senior analyst in Klein's beauty and personal care practice. She's going to provide insights on the indie beauty space and where the category is headed. Hi, Dana. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Dana works on syndicated market research reports and consultation projects across the beauty and personal care industry with expertise in skin care. She is responsible for clients' annual Professional Skin Care USA and new Professional Skin Care Consumer Survey. She contributes to reports such as Beauty's 100 Favorite Brands and clients' comprehensive Cosmetics and Toiletries USA report. In addition, she shares her expert insights and analysis on Klein's blog and has contributed to major media outlets, including Happy and Glossy. She delivers market highlights and trend presentations to clients regularly and attends important industry conferences like AAD and Cosmoprof throughout the year. Dana has a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration and Marketing from Susquehanna University. Okay, Dana, let's get started. After several years in the spotlight, is the indie beauty movement losing steam? So yes and no. You know, there's really two ways we can look at this. Um, you know, first of all, M&A activity is definitely slowing down as of late. Uh, over the years, we've seen beauty and consumer good giants, private equity firms, venture capitalists spend billions on acquiring these fast-growing brands across all beauty categories. And now these companies are in a position, really, where their portfolio beauty brands is pretty robust, and they can now focus on continuing the momentum with the brands they have already acquired. But just because we're seeing a slowdown in beauty acquisition doesn't necessarily mean that M&A activity is not still taking place or that indie beauty has lost steam necessarily. Um, you know, there have been some substantial deals in 2019, such as Unilever acquiring Tatcha, um, SC Johnson adding Sunbum to its portfolio, Colgate with Falorga, and then, um, you know, of course, Shiseido's recent acquisition of Drunk Elephant. And there also continues to be an emergence of new brands coming to market and really trying to build a footprint, especially especially when we consider the most buzzed about beauty trend of 2019, CBD. Uh, so the legalization of hemp has certainly opened the door for many beauty brands, especially within the skincare space. And a great example of this would be Lord Jones. Um, after only several years on the market, the firm behind the popular CBD beauty brand was just recently acquired by a Canadian-based cannabis company. So you, you just mentioned a couple of multinationals and acquisitions. How, how does the indie beauty categories survive in, in the dog-eat-dog world of, of international beauty? So retailers really play a huge role in the survival of the indies, as well as kicking off the indie beauty movement in general. Um, they've really become the incubators for these brands to grow, and we've seen the support from a number of retailers across all distribution channels. Uh, Savora, for one, has helped nurture these niche indie brands and really give them visibility in an already saturated marketplace. Uh, the retailer has been able to do this by you know, working with these brands to launch Sephora-exclusive products, as well as its new initiative, The Next Big Thing, which um, really focuses on these upstart cosmetic brands that have lacked shelf space in retail previously. And then Ulta is another retailer that has been dedicated to housing, you know, these rising stars in recent years. So Lime Crime, Frank Beauty, um, KKW Beauty as well. And just recently, the brand joined other retailers on this journey um, to put indie brands really front and center um, with its new Sparked at Ulta Beauty program, which in essence um, is an initiative to promote a almost get-it-here-first mindset 
And Love Wellness, a new women's wellness and personal care brand, was a really exciting one to see among the collections because we're starting to see intimate beauty and feminine care products trend upward. And then Target continues to help the independent brands have a presence among consumers in a convenient location with affordable price points. But of course, we can't forget about the internet. Um, you know, in particular, Amazon has become a huge player in this market, uh, and many brands have made a name for themselves on this platform, such as Era Organics and now Amazon's very own skincare brand, Bele. And then there's you know, these smaller boutique destinations dedicated to clean, like Credo Beauty, that are really offering thoughtful, curated assortment of products from these smaller brands that are tied to themes we're seeing in the market, like natural and sustainability. And these retailers have helped really boost their visibility as well as their credibility. Um, but investors, we can't forget about them. You know, they've provided a huge support system um, to these indie brands. You know, it's really challenging for these newcomers to grow without any funding. Uh, beauty is a very crowded market, uh, so seeking investments in order to achieve growth is critical. And these investments really allow the brands to tap into expanded distribution, both domestically, internationally, really enhance their research and development process, uh, digital marketing initiatives, and e-com. And then, you know, we've seen successful brands from Glossier to Pat McGrath really undergo several rounds of funding in recent years. You mentioned uh, companies like Amazon, uh, pri private equity, and major retailers all supporting these indie brands. And obviously, when you have players like that, they're all following the money. Can you give me an idea of the size of the indie beauty market and how much it's grown over the years? Sure. So, you know, when we look at the brands that are not under the umbrella of the L'Oreal, the Unilever's, the Estee Lauder's of the world, we're looking at retail sales of about $16.8 billion in 2018, which accounts for about 23% of the total U.S. beauty and personal care market. Now, in terms of growth, this can be challenging to identify, right, given the fact these brands enter the market, then become acquired after scaling their business. Um, but when we look at collective sales of the brands considered an indie in 2016 compared to the indies of 2018, this segment has recorded um, you know, a compounded growth rate of 15% over the last two years. And this really goes to show how, although brands are entering the market and then getting acquired, the influx of these new indies each year continues to increase, coupled with strong performance of the indies that's still remain acquisition targets. You mentioned some international companies, Shiseido, acquiring uh, U.S. businesses. Is Indie Beauty a U.S. phenomenon, or has it gained traction elsewhere? So it's hard to say if the indie beauty movement has taken off in the same way in markets like Europe yet as it has in the U.S., um, but I will say that in China, we're now exploring digitally native beauty brands, which are often indies themselves and are really now considered the newest disruptors in that market. Um, these brands are often found on Tmall as well as several other social commerce platforms, and they're now tapping into the market of social media influencers to sell to the younger audience who really appreciate a brand of Chinese origin. What are some of the companies that are indie beauty leaders and what makes them stand out? So, you know, there's so many success stories, but I can highlight a few former indies as well as current indie brands that really continue to see significant gains. Um, so first we'll start with L'Oreal. You know, they've really done a great job of identifying and acquiring these fast-moving indie brands. There was a lot of buzz around the company's acquisition of It Cosmetics back in 2016, you know, which is a brand that started out of the founder's studio apartment in New York and was able to make a name for itself on QVC. And, you know, now the brand is in several beauty categories and in all all to doors with, well, Sephora. 
And then, you know, we can't forget about SkinCeuticals either, which L'Oreal acquired in 2005. Uh, while, you know, this is in, a, is in a recent acquisition, it's still important to highlight that this brand has re remained extremely successful in the professional skincare space and is the leading brand in this market in the U.S. Um, you know, being an established brand in the professional sector, SkinCeuticals has done an outstanding job staying on top of consumer trends, such as personalization with their custom dose technology, and has really remained innovative in the retailing space as well with their advanced clinical spas, um, and now their new concept, Skin Lab, which kind of aligns with this trend we're seeing of these express aesthetic bars like Face Gym and Alchemy 43 that are popping up everywhere now. And then when we look at, um, you know, current indie brands that are there are really so many stand-up performers here. Um, Beauty Counter, for one, has really made a name for itself. Uh, Google had actually announced in the beginning of the year that it was the number one search beauty brand on the platform in 2018. And the brand's success has really been driven by the fact that it has been a pioneer in advocating for clean formulations. And then, of course, digitally native brand Glossier has also built a huge cult following, helped by, you know, really a large social following, moderately priced beauty essentials, as well as strong engagement with the millennial crowd. You talked about uh, some brands that have been around for more than a decade and were acquired by bigger players. So, you know, it's been quite a long time that the indie beauty category has been around. How do you think it's influenced the overall beauty industry? So the Indies have definitely influenced influence and disrupted the overall beauty industry in the U.S. market. You know, these brands are seeing double and triple digit gains and collectively are grabbing market share from the established brands. And they've really been able to do so because part of their pitch is focusing on trends that have the attention of the consumer, uh, such as nature-inspired and clean products, wellness, and customization, to name a few. Um, you know, the success of these market movers can really be attributed to rapid distribution expansion, things like innovative brand concepts and products, as well as unique ingredient positioning, and then ultimately a focus on the younger consumer. Uh, some noteworthy brands uh, like Glossier and Huda Beauty have recorded extraordinary growth in the last several years, really living in the online channel, uh, while some newcomers continue to pop up everywhere. Uh, Summer Fridays, a beauty influencer established brand, is a great example of this. The brand launched just last year and is already accessible to consumers through Sephora, really with mass-focused skincare and products dedicated to that on-the-go consumer. And then something interesting to think about, too, is the Indie Beauty Expo. You know, the first show was just a few years ago in 2015 and has featured hundreds of small independent brands annually. Uh, it's really given these emerging brands a space to connect with buyers, influencers, and investors. Uh, you know, a decade or two ago, the range of brands was limited compared to what you find now in department stores, drug stores, even at the supermarket. And then e-commerce happened, social media happened. The world of retailing has really changed, and because of this, opportunities have been created for small brands to enter and become more accessible to beauty shoppers. Well, the category is really growing and changing rapidly. So my final question would be, what's, what's next for indie beauty? Isn't the ultimate uh, indie goal to get acquired and get out? So, you know, there's still opportunity for emerging brands and companies looking to invest in, you know, I guess what we can call the next big thing. So think about recent trends like CBD and how many brands have popped up with products dedicated to this ingredient in the last year. And now we're seeing the emergence of these feminine care brands like Fur and The Perfect V, as well as brands focusing on products for untraditional areas of the body like booty masks from brands like Aness, Body Beauty, and Yes2, to name a few. Um, but while the successful indie brands quickly become targets after coming to market, not all brands are always looking to be acquired. 
Uh, so, for example, a brand like Elemis, not a new or emerging brand. You know, it's been around since the 90s, but it was just recently purchased by L'Occitane in the beginning of the year. And then Rodan and Fields is another example of a brand, um, you know, actually acquired by S.A. Lauder in the early 2000s, but then was bought back by the founders and has continued to sell its products through a very traditional direct selling business model. So, overall, I think we can expect to hear more noise in the M&A world, and we'll continue to see these small brands rise in the market with retailers continuing to dedicate support to these brands. Well, that's certainly a lot to think about and a lot to watch out for. And uh, I really want to thank you, Dana, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. You've been listening to the Indie Interview, a happy podcast.